Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer. Buddha at the Gas Pump is an ongoing series of interviews with spiritually awakening people. There have been about 355 of them now, um, and if this is new to you, go to bathgap.com and you'll see them all categorized and organized in various ways so you can watch previous ones. Um, this show is made possible by the support of, previous, of appreciative listeners and viewers, so if you appreciate it and feel like supporting it, there's a donate button on the right-hand side. And if you don't like PayPal, there's a donation page that explains how you can do it in different ways. My guest today is Chris Celine. I'm going to read a little bio that she sent, and then we'll just get right into it. She says, My childhood world was one of abuse, repression, and terror. This is what I believe the world was about. Until, from the depths of my despair, I began searching for a new way. My conscious spiritual journey began when I was called as a young adult, determined to find new life and freedom from this limited world, to a higher quest for the truth of myself. I studied many forms of spiritual practice, including Buddhism, Native American, Judaism, and others, and soon became aware that the source of all life is within all traditions. Approximately 15 years ago, I entered into a deep shamanic healing path centered in the heart of Brazil. I remained fully committed and dedicated to my journey in this form for eight years, healing most of the false ideas that I carried through all my lifetimes. After this, I was called to enter a several-year retreat. During this time, I was guided to enter fully into the teaching of A Course in Miracles. I received the transmission completely through my heart, guided by my prayers, intention, and deep devotion to be healed of all that held me prisoner in this temporary illusion. My heart completely melted and I awakened to the truth of all love. Since my awakening, I have dedicated my life to guide with radical gentleness and complete devotion, all beloveds who have a deep desire to come home easily and gently. And you'll notice that the word gentle and gently appeared several times there. I've listened to quite a few hours of Chris's uh, satsangs, if she calls them that, and I would say that gentleness is uh, probably the one adjective I would use to describe them. There's a very sweet, gentle feeling about her whole way of teaching, which you're about to experience. So welcome, Chris. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. Sure. It's lovely to be here. Good to have you. We're probably going to spend most of our time talking about, you know, the knowledge that you have to present, but people always like to hear a little bit of the background, and mm. I just read out some of that. What, what's worth discussing in your background? What would you like to elaborate on in terms of what I just read? Well, the crux of, of the past was fear, and fear brought through the belief that what I was experiencing was the totality of, of what was possible. And that the only difference might be that one, one is lucky to have love in their life in, in their early years and that the rest of us were unlucky. <laughs> and the, the sense of that life was just terror. It, re it really was. And I took it into, I ran away when I was 18, but I was 18 early, so I was still in high school. Uh. And ran away and 
one of the most significant elements that that occurred was I made a decision a couple of years after I ran away that I had to completely stop any connection with the beloved who had come as my father because if if I continued to be in that energy field I would die your father and had been abusive it, very yeah, it was it was torture, starvation, imprisonment. Wow. So it it was it was a a very strong everything. He controlled everything. Mm. There was no there was never any allowance of using the phone or having anyone uh personal in the house that was not his choosing. Every word had to be specifically spoken as to follow the uh, rules. So it was everything. The strange part was is after running away nothing changed. The nightmares were in my mind and in the physical energy field also and it just uh, continued. So the the nightmare just continued, and um, I I made that decision and at least stepped out of the the basic energy field. I went into therapy for many 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 years, uh, believing that that was uh, going to at least give me something, which it did. It did. It taught me tools. It taught me how to communicate, it taught me how to recognize uh, emotions and you know those, those type of things. But basically by the time, and I was a very good student, I took it very seriously and wanted it to be uh, successful. When I stepped away from therapy, there was still nothing. It was still an empty, vacuumous space where only I was the um, the source of the uh, pain and suffering. So it was really, uh, it, I had no choice. I tried to commit suicide many times. The last time I was almost successful, I was uh, about 28 years old. And when I didn't, when it wasn't successful, I ended up in a mental hospital for their allotted time that you had to stay, you know, for that. But I wanted to, I wanted to end my existence every day. And even through the spiritual journey, I, I was ready to leave until, until I received the message that said, you're wanting to leave is a rebellion against God because this is where your remembering is. This is the world that you made through your belief of separation, and this is where the healing will be. How did you receive it, that message and in what form? Uh, it was a voice that uh, was very clear mm -hmm. and was not of my own choosing because that was not the message that I would have uh, formulated myself. And I'm sorry, I interrupted you before you finished saying that message. Um, sorry about oh, that. Well, 
No, that's all right. The, the message really was be here and completely embrace being here so that you can be healed of the illusion that is in your mind. Mm -hmm. And I made that commitment to be here and to further devote myself uh, even more deeply to God's, God's calling. Mm. Kind of like you signed up for this, sister. Now get on with it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> no, and, and also what happened in that, in, that, uh, in that moment was the complete realization that if I did not heal in this lifetime, that I would continue in the same basic way through other lifetimes, mm -hmm. and that um, the only the only answer was to remember. Had you at that point studied some teachings which talked about reincarnation, or did you just somehow cognize yeah. that this is the way it worked? No, I I was very uh, I was very um, connected with uh, past lives. I would see past lives at a certain point. It wasn't like a place of um, entertainment by any means. Right. But I could see the pattern in every, every reincarnation that I was gifted or offered to see. It was always the same. Mm. It was pain, suffering, destruction, and, and remorse and hatred of God, and fear of God, and fear of the world, and it just continued. Had, you know, had it was suicide just, also I, been a pattern? Pardon me? Had suicide also been a pattern in those past lives? Uh, that, that was not clear, hmm. no, but I, I was, in one past life I was hanged, you know, and most of it was, was death and destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So, it became pretty clear that, that, you know, that I might as well be here, give everything, because I did not want to redo another lifetime. Do you so still feel that way now that you have oh, had no. this liberation? Now, now you probably think, hey, you know, this is sort of good. I wouldn't mind contributing oh. in whatever way oh, I can. Oh, I love every day. I love every day. Yeah. It, there's nothing, there's nothing, um, no, there's nothing left of that, um, that, that false identity and that false fear of the world and, yeah. So would you say no. now that if it's God's will for you to have more lifetimes to serve in oh, whatever yes. way, you're, you're fine with that? Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. No, and now it, it makes no difference. Love is love is love. It, right. it, where you are in form makes, makes no difference. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's pick up the story from where we were. Yes. Where were we? <laughs> well, you had gone through all this therapy, and it was still leaving oh, right, you feeling right. empty. And you, yeah. you had been having some past life experiences, and you were mm -hmm. apparently aware of some esoteric teachings, but I don't know if you've really talked mm -hmm. about how much you practiced them, if at all. I, I, I was, what I discovered was that I was ex extremely connected energetically, mm -hmm. that I... I had always been, for lack of a better term, psychic, and actually I discovered that um, even in the insanity, the psychic, psychic um, abilities, if, if you will, um, are not discriminatory 
to your state of uh, wellness. And in other words, you can I be pretty messed up and have psychic abilities. You can be abilities pretty and, messed up, yeah. except that the psychic abilities become distorted through that messed up mind. Yeah. And actually can really drive somebody crazy right. because of the distortions. I recognize that my grandmother was psychic, I recognize that my mother was psychic, and these beloveds were, were in you know, a very messed up uh, state of mind. And, um, and so for them it was, it was real, and even for me in the past, it was, it was painful and confusing. So the, the work that I went through at that time, if you want to call it work, was really learning through many teachers that um, how to stabilize the energy fields and, and use them as love would want them to be used. So it became... Um, and then I had more channeling, more channels opened within. So I began seeing very clearly what was holding divine beloveds back, you know. So I could, and one of my teachers said, who, who he was, he was um, just so lovely. He said, the key is that when you look at someone and you see you see the distortion in their in their energy fields you see the pain that you don't lock into that and identify anyone through that source that this is being shown to you so that you can be of service not to um, either entertain or to know something about somebody and think that you have um, you have the upper hand in some way yeah few points come to mind from what you just said. Um, one is these teachers that you're alluding to, is, are, these, are we now in Brazil with the shamanic teachers or are you talking about even before that? No, uh, in Brazil and, and here. And also teachers, I, I had a, a beautiful uh, ability, if you want to call it that, which every teacher that I was drawn to, whether it was a teacher that had been on this earth plane years before no longer uh, within this earth plane but all of them I received their teachings energetically I received transmissions from them so it was as if that teacher was right there with me yeah. and it was so profound because I would say yes so deeply that I would I would really receive their teachings in a transmission that was pure and and Perfect. Just before we lose the thread, when you were talking about people who um, are psychic or very sensitive, mm -hmm. but who are yeah. sort of messed up, to use that phrase, uh, and so mm -hmm. that their sensitivity gets distorted through that filter, mm -hmm. um, do you think that like many people perhaps in, in mental hospitals who are yes. having all kinds very of much. crazy hallucinations and hearing voices and all, they're yes. actually picking up on some subtle stuff, but it's through yes. a very occluded filter? Yes, because they're carrying so much pain in themselves and in their and and I use I use the term for that that they they don't yet have the spiritual maturity that um, will help them 
because the channel is open and it's like a radio, you yeah, know, it's getting too many signal. channels at once or something. And they're and they're yeah, and they're just overwhelmed by this this uh, you know all of this information and these visions and yeah yeah, um, and it's yeah. It so, would be wonderful if in, in if in mental hospitals there would be some connection spiritually, so that they could be truly assisted. I bet you that'll happen one of these days. There could, it, be, sure there could be some pretty highly evolved people locked up in those situations. That's um, true. There's certain there's a certain niche of people who listen to this show, who perhaps <laughs> maybe it, they tend maybe to have a more of a Buddhist background or a Zen background, mm -hmm. who. Um, regard any kind of talk of subtle realms or guides or any of that mm -hmm. stuff as what they call makyo, which means like a delusional fantasy. They, they, they're, oh. they're, they're, really they're cool with the idea of you know, the absolute or mm -hmm. ground of being and that, that sort of notion. But they th and obviously they're cool with the, the relative world we perceive, but anything in between, all this sort of subtle realm stuff, seems to them like just an indulgence in Fantasy, and I don't know if yeah. you can say anything that would convince them otherwise, but perhaps just to help put this in a context, yeah. uh, how would you address that doubt? Well, here's what I would, first of all, I don't, I don't know that I could convince anyone of anything, but I have had a, even a, quite a long time ago, one of my guides was Jesus. Now, this is one of the examples that I use. So, obviously, almost everybody knows the story of Jesus when he was walking on the earth, and that his purpose was to demonstrate eternal life. It wasn't about death. It was about forgiveness and eternal life, that you can't die that the Divine Spirit is not capable of dying, and the Divine Spirit is not capable of being changed. The only thing that is going on is the outside form and the identity that has been developed through agreements and through the belief of separation from the universal love. That was true for Jesus also. So when I say that Jesus was a guide, it's because there's no death. And his, his divine energy, which is not separate from this divine energy, is of service. And constantly, and has no limitation to serve. When a beloved asks for help, it isn't just in form that it comes. It comes from the universe. The universe is love. And it responds completely to everyone who is saying, help me. Yeah. Because that opens the door. And it's never not heard. Now, there are so many layers within a, every beloved. There's so many layers of, of no, that even when the help me is finally there, which I call the white flag. <laughs> because that's usually right. how it is. The white flag says, I, I'm ready, I'm ready. But there's so much no, there's so much fear and so much resistance that it doesn't happen instantaneously, usually. 
every once in a while. It's, I, I've said this many times, you know, it, you can wake up in a nanosecond. What is it that keeps everybody from waking up in a nanosecond once you, well, yes, that's what I want. The only thing that stops it is the resistance from within, unconscious resistance. And the, the realization hasn't come yet that all beloveds are living in the past. They're not living here because it's too frightening. It's too, it's so frightening to be in the mind. It's so frightening to, to come and be present and you don't even know how that could be possible because you don't know that you're in the past. So it's that movement into trust and all of these beloved beings that serve love, that's temporary. It's not a, it's not a permanent state. It's no more permanent than my service, what you would call my service to beloveds. It's temporary because in truth, everyone is the light of love and just hasn't remembered yet. It doesn't change them. For those listening, incidentally, Chris refers to people as beloveds, like she referred to her father earlier, and anybody, yeah. anytime she refers to somebody, it refers to them as a beloved, just so people understand your language. So, just speaking of the help coming, well, first of all, I just want to say that I've done a lot of interviews, and, and there have been a number of stories in them of people who raise the white flag, as you put it, um, who at some yeah. point maybe even literally got on their knees and said, I, I am lost here. Help, help me. And it's really yeah. kind of inspiring and surprising how responsive the universe is when one reaches yeah. that state. It's as if one, if one feels what that sort of one can do on one's own, then the universe says, okay, you're fine, you're doing it, you, you, you're, at least you think you are, so uh, you know, let us know when you're ready. And, <laughs> and then when a, when a person exactly. really makes that entreaty, uh, the response yeah. can be quite uh, dramatic. Yes, it, it, it is. It absolutely is. And it can't be judged by anybody else's uh, experience. And the beauty of the wisdom of the universe is that the wisdom of the universe knows exactly how to reach each beloved perfectly if they are willing. Yeah. And it's the willingness. The willingness is, is our only whether you call it choice or willingness, they're, they're very connected, but that's really all we have is a willingness because what gets in the way the most is knowing. Knowing is, is the complete defense system of separation because everything that we know in our beliefs of separation, everything that we know is made up. And when we have that call for love, when we say help and raise the white flag, that's where it keeps coming back to. Unlearning and learning. And the unlearning is just as, if not more, than the learning. And to be able to, to come to a place of humility 
and really recognize that this is my defense system. This is all that this is, is to defend myself against love because it's so terrifying to open your heart and give yourself to everything that is of love and to to completely release and and surrender all of the defense systems that have been built because they are so painful and they're not seen as painful you know satisfaction pleasure being right success winning right and wrong all of it is it's camouflaged it's camouflaged purposefully so that it doesn't look like fear it doesn't look like pain and so it's held as as a high standard of success within the world and it all it all it does is block you know there there was a a teaching that i received quite a long time ago I, I was told by someone that that I had to I had to build a better ego in order to have it torn down because I wouldn't be able to with my weak ego to stand withstand the destruction of my uh, self-identity and I began really asking is that possible is that possible that I need a better ego? And I was shown so clearly, no, I had a great ego. I had a superb ego. I had built one of the best egos because it was, it was an ego that was based on pain and suffering that um, I could stand against anybody in my, in my um, pain and suffering. So that ego was really strong, just as strong as anybody's. And that there really is no difference in good egos, bad egos, strong egos, weak egos. It's all just the belief that you're separate from love. But let's, uh, let's explore that for a minute, because I, I know the point that that person said to you, um, which is that if a person is really psychologically unstable or shattered or <laughs> just, uh, you know, really kind of discombobulated mentally, then they may not, then a, a teaching that attempts to dismantle what ego they have may be injurious to them or might be dangerous, you know, it might, de might destabilize them further. And so, you know, it's advocated by people who say this sort of thing to like yeah. kind of get your act together, you know, achieve some sort of psychological integrity or health, and then yeah. we can talk about, you know, going beyond that that that's a separate category okay really but even there there are so many beloveds but they only can find that for themselves really but there are so many beloveds who are longing for the truth and here's what's missing in the psychological profile it is that in healing it is all truly miracles it's not done by yourself at all it's not done by you at all really you're just showing up mm -hmm. 
the wisdom of the universe, the wisdom of God, is not going to destroy a beloved to so that they have a chance to be, you know, recognizing their truth. Every single healing that I received was brilliant, was perfect for this healing because that is the wisdom of, of love itself. So, it, yes, you may be able to push somebody into something, but really those, that, that deep healing is so perfectly orchestrated that there is no, there's no fear of anything and there's no destruction, even though it can feel like destruction. But it, it yeah, the, the, the deep, deep healing is not going to um, just have its way without the awareness of what every beloved truly needs mm -hmm. to be helped on their, their own journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's an underlying uh, assumption here, which actually you've stated fairly explicitly, but which, which we might want to dwell on for a minute, which I very much resonate with, which is that, you know, the universe is definitely not dumb, mechanistic, material, you know, rock and stuff. It's, it's just sort of totally um, brimming with intelligence, saturated, yeah. permeated with, with intelligence. Yeah. And, that intel and not just in a sort of a, an, an amorphous oceanic sense where it's just vast intelligence, but it's also intelligence that expresses itself in a variety of ways, uh, infinite variety yes. of ways. But uh, yes. I should probably let you get from here. But, but let's, let's, why don't you talk just a little bit about the, the notion that the, the universe is intelligent and that there are various agents or expressions of that intelligence which have various functions and perhaps various jurisdictions, degrees. Like you mentioned Jesus. He could be thought of as maybe a general in this army of the universe, whereas maybe others are privates and others are colonels or corporals or whatever, just different degrees of uh, spheres of influence, we might say. There may be that. I have never noticed actually a, a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. All love is maximum. And so every guide that I had, and I had many, many guides, they would, they would kind of take, you know, one would come in, one would leave, depending on what the guidance was for and what was being called to be remembered at that time. It, it's almost like having, going to college and having uh, professors in all different types of courses, but they're not, they're not less or more of each other, they're, they, they are helping in specific ways right so I have I've never noticed any hierarchy at all really even but it's easy to it's easy to get to see it that way I believe but I I never saw it that way I never experienced it that way for example the the relationship with the Divine Mother you know, it, the Divine Mother's aspects are um, vast and, and diversified. You have Kuan Yin, you have, you know, you have, 
Shiva, you have you have all of these elements of of the Divine Mother. Shiva is the and masculine, they, but you know, Lakshmi yeah, or Parvati yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and all of these different all of these different uh, beings that have served love and continue to serve love are equal in all the truth of love because there's no there's no duality for sure on uh, in the side of love and so it there is an equality let's say uh, you're in let's say you're you're taking a swim in a river and you and you dive underneath the water and you hear the voice of the divine mother so in is that a lesser voice than the divine mother that carries the universal message of of peace and harmony and and comfort and healing no it's exactly the same it's just taken a different aspect and come into that water and is the water itself and responds to whoever is willing to meet that that beloved spirit i guess the reason i wondered is that I, I know people who perceive guides. I mean, I have a friend who perceives mm -hmm. them routinely, just so there's usually a little cluster of them around every single person. Mm -hmm. And um, But it would seem like th there are some who would have a broader connection, connection or realm of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then they talk of, you know, Gaia, for instance, the, the mm -hmm. intelligence that abides in the earth for whom the earth mm -hmm. is the body or, you know, Surya for whom the sun is the body and so on. And mm -hmm. uh, it would seem that those are kind of bigger beings in a way or more, more highly. Yeah, something <laughs> or other like that. Well, they may be, but it, it, it's a disservice. I see it this way that it can be a disservice to categorize love, you know, because let, let's say you have that and then you're thinking, okay, this is a, this is a, I'm moving up, <laughs> moving up <laughs> because, the ladder, my, yeah. because my guides are getting bigger. Yeah. Um, that's a disservice to yourself to believe that, that, that there is a hierarchy in that way. It may not be that it may be that they have that they have particular roles that they that they fulfill. But if you know, let let's put it this way. Let's say um, you're you're walking down the street, and a dog shows up and starts walking with you, and you realize that something something is. Why is this this dog is walking with me? And if you're open, if you're willing, there's there's a there's a beautiful connection there, and that being can be bringing you a teaching. Oh yeah, we don't know. You mentioned Shiva. There were stories of both Shankara and uh, Yudhishthira, who was the hero of the Mahabharata, mm -hmm. in which a dog started uh, walking along with them, and it was oh. a, it was a test for them, and it turned mm -hmm. out that you know the dog was actually Shiva taking that mm -hmm. form and he was testing right. to see how they would respond to the dog you know how they would treat it and so on right <laughs> so it's it's everything is offering a teaching yeah and in that way everything is the being of love and and can use all forms and does use all forms with your permission 
that also speaks to healing, which uh, there's a beautiful teaching that says the spirit of love um, knows no bounds and and uh, will, let me see if I can say it correctly, that you will always be taught and if you allow everything to be used in your life, you know, but it, but it's the surrender of your life. It's the surrender of each situation. It's the surrender of the moment and the openness of that, of saying, teach me, teach me. I'm, I'm available. I, this is what I want. And the, the lessons come in everything. If every beloved would, when, when anything occurs, anything let's say well, the other night we had a a fan that was running during a, a teaching and several beloveds said turn off the fan let's turn off the fan because of the noise and there wasn't a yes to turn off the fan and the real reason is is because that fan was not there because of annoyance of noise it was there as a teaching for anyone who was disturbed by it to go beyond the disturbance that was being made in the mind and really open to what was just being present so the lessons are there all the time and once you you make that switch from i'm in charge i'm doing this i have to fix this because i think it should be this way we were discussing the point that the universe is intelligent. In fact, it could be argued that it's nothing but intelligence, just assuming uh, different forms. I guess one way of putting it, see if you agree with this, is that not only is it intelligence, but the intelligence has almost as if a benign motivation. It wants our growth, it wants evolution, it wants higher and higher expressions of itself in, through our forms. Well, I would say that it is the the divine love of the universe that we are and our our call for for help which is is within us and may not necessarily expressed verbally but it's in our if you want to call it the soul the spirit and that spirit is calling and calling for that love to show up what we have to do in that acceptance is to not judge the form that it comes in you know there's a beautiful joke that i remember hearing almost at the beginning of the spiritual journey which was someone sitting in meditation i'm sure you've seen it and saying um me give me all the the greatness of the universe but i don't want my life to change <laughs> and that is the joke <laughs> That's the cosmic joke, because each moment is that opportunity. I'll say, too, that, you know, because of the, the illusion, which is all temporariness, uh, you know, it changes shapes, changes, changes vibrations, changes whatever, and everything that is temporary can be surrendered to be used, even though it actually has no value so to speak on its own except the value that's given to it it can be used for a higher purpose and then in that it transforms everything that is in your life into love itself 
There's a story I heard, heard you tell in one of your meetings where there's this farmer living in China, let's say, and his horse escapes. And his friends go, oh, it's terribly, your horse escaped. And the farmer says, right. we'll see. And, uh, but then the next day, the horse comes back with a whole bunch of wild horses and walks yeah. into the corral. All of a sudden, he's rich. He's got all these horses. And the, the neighbors say, that's great. You're rich. And he says, we'll see. And then his son is training one of the horses and trying to ride it, and he breaks his leg. And, oh, yeah. so how are you going to run the farm now? Your son broke his leg. It's terrible. We'll see. And then next thing you know, some army comes through town recruiting all the young men, but his son can't go because he broke his leg. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes down like that. And that's it. You know, it's neither good nor bad. It just is. And using it for love is the only real purpose of it. Yeah. And it's... the. The universe is completely benevolent and everything else is just coming from the fear that that gets generated through the belief of separation, the belief that you are alone, the belief that you are without. So what do you say to somebody who you know, hears you say the universe is completely benevolent and they've just and in Nice, when that truck plowed through all those people, or in the middle of one of these mass shootings, or something really yeah. tragic happens, 9-11. Yeah. It seems so kind of airy-fairy to say, oh, the universe is benevolent when you're hit with something like that. What do you say to them? Well, you know, that's always, that's always the ego's first place to go, is to the, the unexplainable disaster. But it isn't really unexplainable. We create, we make our lives. And, and we've, we can see this with many, and it's not about anyone being less or uh, more, but when there is a universal consciousness being held of battle and war and, and, and bringing it down to the, the basics, when you're irritated with someone, when you have a little irritation and you decide, they are not doing what you want them to do or behaving as you want them to behave. That hatred is the same hatred. And every beloved has the calling within them to bring, to learn the truth of who they are, which is love, what they are, love, and to bring that love into every aspect of their personal life. And that is transformation. Those beloveds that, that were killed, first of all, in truth, they didn't die. They did not die. They left their bodies. And their, their, divine, their divine essence continues in their journey. We don't know why they were there and what that was in their belief system. But it isn't God's will for them to suffer, and it isn't God's will for anyone to suffer, including the families of those beloveds. But the most liberating essence of that is that they are still those beloveds, and that they are here, they're not gone someplace, they are completely one with the universe, and there is no death. Can someone accept that, that has, that has that kind of grief? Probably not. Probably not. But at some point, the grief uh, starts to dissipate and, and comfort can be received. And it is, it is absolutely the truth of comfort to, 
realize that there is no death. I just was given the, the gift of, and I've done this many times, to be with a beloved who was part of the community here and in his passing. And the gift of that is the, the willingness for that beloved to leave peacefully with courage and with, with the realization that he was not dying and that we would not be separate. That I, I would, the eye of the eye would walk with him forever because there's no separation. I've often said jokingly that the reason we are learning to love is because we will be with everyone for, for all eternity. Not as a conscious state, but as the oneness of love itself. So we, we're here to learn to love. And I, this is another one of those things that I don't know if you can convince somebody, but how does one go from hearing this as a nice belief but that they, have, that they can't believe to having, <laughs> to having the certainty and, that you have? All you have to do is walk in my past. <laughs> yeah, which, it, which was really your past true. and not anybody else's past, right? It's, well, that's true, but I was healed. I was set free by the benevolence of love itself. I showed up. I was willing. I had one teacher that, that said of me, which was really a surprise, Somebody was complaining because I seemed to be um, understanding things more deeply than, than they were, I guess. And this teacher said, I'll tell you why she's where she is, because she never stops, because she, she's, she's devoted to remembering because she doesn't want to live this past again. Mm. And, and that is a great impetus, it truly is. But the, the whole element is, I did not heal myself. There's no way that I could have untangled the insanity and the pain and the suffering that I held so firmly as my right. I could not have healed that. There's, there's not a possibility that that could be healed without intervention, without the universe uh, and, and the calling of that power, the calling of that healing. I have never, not for a second, believed that this was something that I did. There's, no, it's not possible. And I'm not saying that someone can't wake up in, in 10 minutes. Yes, someone can, absolutely. We don't know the past lives that led to that. We don't know how that's possible, but there was nothing that I, and, and I know that this was true because the truth is that there's nothing that I haven't touched in the world of pain and suffering. There's no emotion that I haven't felt. There is no, there is no uh, hatred that I haven't carried. There wasn't one cell in this identity that wasn't filled with hate. I 
I'm going to go back here for a second just to to uh, affirm this. When I was about 16, I came extremely close by just, I don't know what stopped it, but I was going to murder my father. I had the knife in my hand. And I know that if we would have been a family that had guns, either I would have been dead or he would have been dead way, way before that. Something stopped me from murdering him. But the, but the hatred, the poison of that wanting to cause not only death, but, but I wanted to inflict pain, there is nothing that, that matches that, that pain within, that poison. And that, that belief in that poison, in that hatred, in that fear, was what had to be healed. And it had to be healed through incredible resistance at times, because when you build a defense system that you believe is keeping you alive, you don't give it readily, you don't surrender it readily, and you don't let go of your defenses readily. But faith in the teachings of truth is what opens the door. When, when I would read the, the teachings of different masters, they were all exactly the same. It didn't matter if it was a Buddhist. It didn't matter if it was if it was um, Ramakrishna. It didn't matter what where it came from. They all they all spoke to the same the same truth, and the faith in that is what heals. Because you have to have faith. You have to be able to do the bungee jump. You have to be able to to become undefended. And there's, not, and no longer be at the effect of anything on the outside. There's an interesting paradox here because, on the one hand, you know, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. I mean, yeah. every teacher says, go at it with great zeal. Um, and yeah. the more ardent your search, the more, you know, likely the result or the more, you know, quick the result will come. And yet, on the other hand, success comes from surrender. Yeah. Uh, so, how do you reconcile that paradox? The willingness. The willingness has to be there so that the door can be opened, that little bit of a crack, so that healing can occur. Because you're, when you have willingness, you're saying, come in. Come in. Come into, into my world. Come into my, my insanity and help me. Because I can't, I can't undo this insanity. It's too entrenched. So the, the help is, is, is I, I, if someone can do it without help, I'm, I'm happy for them. But yeah. it certainly wasn't, it wasn't what I, uh, I walked through. Yeah. It's, I think it's a point worth belaboring just a little bit. You know, there's that saying, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, mm. Which, of course, you can't do if you try to no. pull your bootstraps and lift yourself up yeah. off the ground. You're, you're not going to do it. But it's interesting to just ponder the, the mechanics of awakening and whether it's something that actually results from an application of individual effort or a relinquishment of individual effort. 
it's both to a certain extent, but mostly relinquishment. Relinquishment is, uh, I, there's nothing to know. There's nothing to hold on to. I have no idea what's next. I have no idea how this would happen. I have no idea what is occurring, but I'm here. I'm here, I'm in a yes. I say yes to love because I know that, that that's the only thing that I know, but I don't even know that, that love is the truth of the universe. And that's, and, and the willingness is, is everything. And it doesn't have to be a lot. The little willingness is, and this is a fine study, as one of my teachers would say, a very fine study. The little willingness opens that door. All you have to do is find a little, because if, if it were more, then it would be a setup. You have, to, you have to get to a certain point before you can even have willingness. No, the little willingness is, is in everyone, and it's, it's a light that is the the light of the sun that is within each beloved and finally you touch into that little willingness and transformation begins yeah sometimes it takes a long time but it's <laughs> but it's there and there are examples of that in different traditions too i mean the grain of mustard seed and in, in the bible and there's a verse in the gita which says even a little of this Dharma re, re delivers from great, or maybe it's a little of this knowledge removes great fear. But I bet you we could find it in almost every tradition where just take a step, just a little bit. That's right. Is gonna, just that yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the place that is so exquisite because you can never be truly, I mean, you can be disillusioned, but, or worried that you don't have enough. But it really is just the little willingness. There was a time when I was in the throes of pain and suffering, and I, I was laying on my bed crying, crying, crying. And I was crying because I wanted an outcome that was particular in that moment. And I was talking to God saying, I've been so good. I have tried so hard, and why can't you give me this? Why can't I have this? It's so important to me. And somewhere within came the little willingness. And, and my prayer said, I stopped, and all of a sudden my prayer was, don't listen to that. I'm a little willing. Mm. I'm a little willing that, that you, that, that, the universe, God, that you know what's best for me. Yeah. You know what is going to help me the most. And I don't know. I don't know. But I'm a little willing. And from then on, it was the little willingness. That's nice. Yeah. You said that thing earlier about not knowing. And while you were saying that, I was thinking, well, maybe that means certain kinds of knowing and not others. For instance, if you're a mathematics teacher, you don't show up in class one day and say, well, I'm on a spiritual path now, so I've forgotten all my mathematics. No, no. <laughs> you know, you, you, you still know that stuff, but you're talking about but, a different kind of thing that we would not be adamant about our knowledge no, of. No, 
not really. It's it's the professor who's the math professor that can still teach what he knows, but he knows he doesn't know. He knows that this is not part of his truth. He knows that this is just in this world what he's offering, and he has the opportunity through that knowing, if you want to call it that, that he's offering love if he chooses to. Anybody, you know, anybody who's a teacher can either teach, can teach the world or it can teach love and bring, bring whatever, whether it's math or not, what you deliver, it can be love. And then it's in service of love, but it's no longer yours. The pride of that beloved's relationship to his math awareness if he has pride that's his prison mm. if he is trying to get ahead through that knowing it's his prison if he's lost in the identity of that that his professorship gives him an identity of worth he's in prison and that knowing doesn't, you know, but the knowing that he has of his math skills can be surrendered also and used for love. And then he's free much more deeply because he's no longer attached to the, the persona that he's developed as a math teacher. He's no longer hooked into proving his worth. That's a good answer. I saw some YouTube video the other day of this guy who is, maybe it's part of a group, who, who is trying to get people to lighten up in terms of the political divisiveness in, in this country. And the title of it was, I'm right and you're an idiot, you know, which is basically what both sides are saying in the political yeah, de debate. Yeah. And But there's this sort of rigid, adamant certainty uh -huh. of my correctness, your, your idiocy. And uh, yeah. it seems to me that we could all... Get, get along a lot, lot better if we just held all that a little bit more loosely. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, to me, it's the opportunity to see these beloveds that are, you know, engaged in this at whatever level, that none of this is their reality. This is not the reality of who they are or what they are. And there is no difference between Donald Trump and, and Hillary Clinton those are just names they aren't remembering yet that they are the light of god and that they are love itself and that everything that's being put into division is is a game of worth and trying to trying to win and there's there's nothing to win would it be more accurate to say that superficially there are differences between all kinds of things, but deep yes. down, deep down, it's all the same. Deep down, it's we're all, we're all one at, at our center. Absolutely. Yeah. The personality is what's been developed. The identity, the past, everything. It's not who they are. Right. That's just their version of separation. And some look more separated than others, but it's still all. It's all a call for love. Mm. It's all a call to, to return. And everyone that is watching them has the same calling, you know, to not judge them by their actions and their beliefs that they're portraying because they are, they are the light of, of love itself.
Yeah. I would say, don't judge, but vote. <laughs> Before we run out of time, I bet you there's some interesting things to talk about still with regard to your journey, like that whole thing in Brazil, studying with mm -hmm. shamans. I mean, did that involve entheogens such as ayahuasca, or mm -hmm. was it, did it? Yes. Yeah. Would you like to give us a few nuggets of that whole episode in your life? Well, it was a very beautiful, beautiful journey. I have no idea how I got there. <laughs> I've said this many times. It was like I was, because I had, I, I was actually, um, I had panic attacks for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I was still having panic attacks when I went to Brazil. And I have no idea how I got there. I was like put in a bubble of some kind that could get me to Brazil because I didn't, I didn't go on planes for uh, all those 10 years or driving cars with other people and things like that. So well, you obviously got on a plane to go there. Somehow. I did. I, I was put in a bubble of some kind and, and made it there. And You mean you weren't even was, conscious and you don't even remember buying a ticket and getting on a plane? I remember buying a ticket, but I, you know, I had beloveds that would say to me, friends, you know, that would say, what are you going to do? And I, and I had no, like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just going, I'm just, I'm just going. And it was, it was a remarkable journey. And I, and my, my main teacher was there. And the reason that he became my main teacher was because he, he just exuded, he, his whole being was love and peace and i had never i had never experienced someone being peaceful i had never experienced that place of non-judgment that was so so beautiful and so pure so it took me i followed and i learned and i I learned, I'll, I'll tell you what I learned the most. I learned the most about self-discipline. I learned the most about fir what, what I call firmness in truth, where I would be tempted so, 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 so often to let the mind run or let, you know, let my old patterns have their way. And the firmness was, no, this is not of God. I'm not allowing this to be my master anymore. And really, really surrendering to the master of, of love itself. Yeah. But it was like a really fast track of uh, surrender. Yeah. And then after that, you came back and you did a retreat for a couple of years and, and guided yeah, I, to enter the I, Course in Miracles. I'm I sorry. wasn't there. I wasn't in Brazil the whole time. Back and forth. I was, yeah. yeah. I, only, I only went a couple of times to Brazil, but the rest of the time I was here. But studying the same, the mm -hmm. same teachings and yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I went into what I call the soft seclusion, which was um, called for. And see, and this is a perfect example. When I was called to go into what I call soft seclusion, which only means that I still had to go to the grocery store, I still had to use the phone, and you know. But for most of the time, I was with just the inner, inner peace. 
So when I was called to go into soft seclusion, I freaked. I absolutely freaked out because, and of course it hit me exactly in the right place. I was terrified of being with me. Mm. The, the idea of being with me was absolutely horrendous. And what I began seeing was that my entire life had been spent like an addict always being with others to make sure that I was uh, that I could be referenced through somebody else. So here was I was being called to go into this seclusion and the terror was took over. I saw myself in a uh, meditation. I saw myself in a empty house and being like two or three years old. It wasn't true. It was just a metaphor but of being in this empty dark house sitting in the middle of the floor with nobody ever there. And that was my fear. That was the fear. And through that seclusion, not only did I open to deeper teachings, but it was freedom. And I met the divine within through that, um, through that trust and through that aloneness that solitariness. I met the the love within and nothing else was needed. Now in that it's also the learning to offer love so completely that there's because because that's all that there is. There's nothing to get. Everything is the offering of love. And that is where all the love expands, constantly expanding because love expands but you have to find that you have to find the love that is waiting to be met within and it's it's there it's interesting how you you knew what you had to do and you did what you had to do even though you were terrified of doing it but somehow mm -hmm. a deeper calling or something yeah. enabled you to soldier on and do it yeah <laughs> well when i was when i would receive direction which I received uh, it was always obedience it was obedience to the calling to whatever was asked of me next yeah. because um, because it's what I wanted if you hold at the center of your being of what you truly want then you keep coming back to that point what is it that I truly want? I want to be free. I want to remember. I want to learn the truth of love. And then you give yourself to whatever is called for, because how would I know what was, what was best for me? Uh, all I could do was base it on something in the past. That was my only knowing. So it was always that surrender of take me, show me, I'm willing. Yeah. It's neat. Highest first in a phrase, I suppose you could say. Absolutely. You had a sense of yeah. what was highest and you made that the priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... What I didn't always, I will say also that I didn't always, I didn't know that it was the highest. I just knew that that's what I was supposed to go to. And yeah. maybe there was an interpretation that could have been saying this is the highest good. And it probably was but it was still the unknown. I didn't know where I was going with it. But it's cool that you had that intuitive 
guidance yeah. or almost almost intuitive certainty that this is the way I got to go, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and it, yeah. it ain't going to be pretty, but this is what I have to do, and you just and, do it. You know, and it isn't it isn't pretty, and it isn't necessarily easy. When I when I I stepped away from the shamanic path at that point, and all that I could hear was the teaching for me that said, you cannot leave love. You're not leaving anyone. You are, they are, you know, there's, there's no love lost. There is no, there's no separation here. Every beloved is still the beloved in my heart and, and nothing is lost. And, and I, and it was, that was a teaching in and of itself that I couldn't leave love, not in any way. Yeah. Well, you know, if you want to fly from Ashland to Myrtle Beach, you're probably going to have to change planes several times. But it's not like you're giving up the journey. It's like each plane has right. its value has its own. and it is That's essential right. in making the entire journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and what I what I came to see actually in that relinquishment was that I couldn't wake up where I was because of certain certain intentions or certain beliefs or whatever but that i had to step away and and come into that solitary truth within like you'd taken that vehicle as far as it was meant to take yeah. you and now it's time yeah. to get in a new vehicle yeah. yeah huh and so the course in miracles did you just study the traditional course in miracles or did you somehow have your own download of of the course in miracles? i i had well both huh. both as soon as I opened, and I, and I will, I'll tell you a funny story with this, that I had a, a friend who, who came to a shamanic uh, ritual. And after the shamanic ritual, we were in a group kind of processing. And she said, what I've realized is that through, through this ritual that I realized that uh, my path is, is the Course in Miracles. And in my arrogance, I was sitting there thinking, that's not a path. That's a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have any rituals. It doesn't have any, you know, there's no there's no incense, there's no whatever. And when I was called to the to the course in miracles, I I couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> here I was after that arrogant that was a statement that I'd made many years before, but it came right back at me to uh, see the humor in my thinking that I knew something. When I started with the course, um, as soon as I, as soon as the first words were there, it was, I was aware of this transmission. The transmission from Jesus was really clear and I dove in as I had always dived into whatever, I dove in. And I I had a, a beloved say one time, I've been studying the course for 15 years and you're talking in ways that I don't get. And it was just the depth of my embracing the the teachings and and the opening through the transmission. Yeah, I mean there are certain books which we could probably read all of our lives and it'll continually become a new book each time we read it as we grow Absolutely. because the book has yeah. so many so much vertical Facets depth and, to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so then you say, 
I guess it was sort of after this Course in Miracles phase or during it, I received the transmission completely through my heart and guided by my prayers, intention, and deep devotion to be healed of all that held me prisoner in this temporary illusion. My heart completely melted and I awakened to the truth of all love. And then you said, since my awakening, so on and so forth. So it sounds like yeah. that was really the watershed moment there. Yes, it was. And it was, uh, in hindsight, it was perfectly orchestrated. But at the time, it was, um, you know, one moment was I'm completely lost. And then the next moment, everything's gone. Really? So it was that so, abrupt, like you could mark it on the calendar? And, it, it, well, it was, and yet, you know, the, 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 it's, hard, it's so difficult to talk about it in words, because at the same time, there was a, a movement of, of deepening, 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 and freedom, freedom, freedom that was occurring. So it isn't an, an, a one moment, and yet they're both there. Mm. And... And even after, after that that dramatic element was being in the world and learning to ground this love into the world itself. And I, I had many lessons there too, because it 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 was about learning the ways of the world without being in it you know and it really what and it wasn't it was a, still the journey of love and learning and i yeah i continued to learn how to be in this world and and not of it seems like it's a lifelong enterprise <laughs> um do you feel like well on that note do you feel like there is a sort of a a finality in your experience or is it a continual deepening clarification and learning to bring it into the world uh, integration or stabilization or whatever we want to, whatever words we want to use no all everything is just present there's nothing else i had a beloved that asked me how i was feeling and was asking for before after how you feel you know like yeah. that and and I said I have nothing to say every moment is is itself I don't carry an identity from moment to moment and assessing it I have no there's nothing to hold on to so I can't say that I'm better today than I was yesterday in some physical way. It, 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 it doesn't have any purpose. Not, it doesn't not have so much reality. in a physical way. Like you just coughed, you said you had had laryngitis the other day. Mm -hmm. So you could be worse today than you were yesterday or the day before. Yes, but I don't notice it. Uh -huh. I really don't. I, because there's not an assessor that is making that... Uh, be right or wrong or good or bad or anything. It just, I don't remember the last week Interesting. <laughs> of whether what it meant or anything else. It was just every day is just, just love. That's nice. So in other words, you feel so present that you couldn't really say that, well, ever since this awakening, whatever year that was, 
there's been such and such a, a sort of growth or, or maturation or whatever. It, there's just presence, 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 and yeah. it's really yeah. hard to quantify it. It is. It, it doesn't have any any way to hold. There's no way to hold it of anything. Mm. I, I had a beloved say to me, ah, because he was he was looking at the part of being awake, and he says, I think I see it. He says, you don't care, which is true, and there's no temptation. There's, there's nothing of time or space that, that is tempting. When you're in love, there's there's nothing else now. Does that mean that I can't make a sandwich, or <laughs> or take not. a bath, or <laughs> you know? No, of course. But it's all love, and it's not personal. It, there's no personal pull to anything. It's what is and what shows up, and serving that. Do you feel that? Um you have lost all semblance of a sense of personal self or is it somehow that the personal self is there but in a much larger context or what? It's not the feeling of, of it's there in a larger context. No, it, it, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't, it's not here. There's nothing to hook with that's so yeah, as you met Judith. Yes. Judith used to be asked when when we would travel quite a bit to do satsangs in different locations. And beloveds in those would, would pull her aside and say, Is she always like this? What do you see that's that's different? And Judith would say, I've been waiting for years. And I've never seen any disturbance, any anything that is, uh, you know, not in alignment. There's, it's only love. That's not easy to live with sometimes. <laughs> but, but it, there's nothing else there. Yeah, but obviously, if Judith comes in the room and says, "Hey, Chris, you turn your head," uh -huh. there's some yeah. some sort of response from this location as opposed to or if you stub your toe some pain is felt in this mind body system not in judith's toe i'm just i'm kind of wrestling with this yeah, thing because I I, i've talked to, to a number of people about it and i'll be talking to more because um well go ahead you i've talked too much right now you go ahead and respond well the the stubbing the toe yeah it's not there's no caring that's the key. It's just uh, the toe is stubbed. But you know but that. But not. you're feeling the pain, not some guy in China. I mean, you know that it's well, your. That may, that may be, but but actually, from for the most part, I don't feel that much pain either. Uh -huh. I don't consider it to be pain. It's a it's a sensation. I had a lot of pain in the past from the childhood abuse and a lot of da physical damage. I turned to Ramakrishna because he was he was definitely one of my teachers 
and I asked, I, I wanted through his, through his own healing that he received from, you know, because he was, uh, he had throat cancer. I said, please show me the way to release this belief in pain because it can't be the truth. And I was shown and released all of the pain. That it didn't mean that the body was healed. It didn't mean that that the same scars weren't there. So Ramakrishna showed me, showed me how to rise through the pain and see it only as sensation, mm-hmm. and that that sensation was not, did not have an ad- identity with it, mm-hmm. and and it. It was freedom. It was freedom, and not because the body works better, but because it's it just isn't uh, identified with. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and it's a hard thing for people to understand who aren't actually experiencing it. And I don't want to belabor it because it's it's like I I sent it a point about this to a friend the other day, and she said, "He's still chewing on that bone." And <laughs> you know, I tend to chew on bones until there's nothing left, until <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I really get it, you know. But I think it, to a great extent, it's just going to have to be something that it's, yeah. one, one experiences. Yes, yeah. And, and it's hard to explain how that's even possible because I just, I entered and asked to be shown and I was shown. Not through like a, a graph, <laughs> you know, but within. Yeah. Good. Well... I'm sure that you know you and I could continue on for hours talking about this and that, but we're not going to do that. So, what is there that you would like to convey to people that we may not have touched on yet that you want to be? Because thousands of people will watch this, so this is a good opportunity for you to just say whatever you want to say. If I could, in any way, not convince, but offer that healing is completely possible, that remembering is just so close, and not to give up on that that journey. And if at all possible, that every beloved surrenders their knowing, the knowing of the past and the willingness to step into not knowing just allowing that you will not be left without. You will not be left without. There is the benevolence of the universe that is completely yours, completely yours. And, and nothing ever is on the side of God that is being held from anyone. It's all from within that we, that we stop and it just doesn't need to be because it, this is all that we're here for. We're not here to make a, a good identity. We're here to remember. This is, the, this is the circumstances that we made that now we're walking through and it's all for, it's all for remembering. It's its only true purpose. You know, when beloveds say to me, I want to have, to make a difference in this world. I want to do something. Yes, then do something. But 
the main thing that you can do to serve humanity is to remember the truth of love. That's at the center of everything and it diminishes every other, every other sense of, of um, accomplishment because your accomplishment is only in the remembering of your true, divine, perfect, innocent nature. And do you have a prescription for that? I mean, you yourself have been through probably a dozen different phases of spiritual yeah. quest that we've talked about. What do you do now with people, you know, that come to you? Do you send them to Brazil? I mean, or do you have, no, what, no, do you, what do no. you do to help no, them this, realize this, the truth of what I you're saying? Was, yeah, I was called to burn open a path that has no connection to, you know, sometimes somebody will say, well, is this connected to this path or this path? No, it's not. And not because all paths aren't perfect. But this is a particular path that I was called to burn open that focuses completely on learning to love and the gentleness and the kindness of that personal journey. It doesn't mean just because it's gentle and kind that it isn't a squeeze, because it is a squeeze, but it's, um, it's there for anybody. So each teacher has their own style or you know, their, yeah. own, their own way of operating. So you as a teacher, uh, would you say that gentleness and kindness are your hallmark? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And also the consistency that nothing ever changes. There is no kind of awake that you can still have your personality irritations and having mood swings and anything. No, there's, there's just nothing. And that's what gets uh, recognized. And then, and then it's transmitted through that, that is, that's also the reflection. It's who you are. It's what you are. You are that kindness. You are that light. You are that innocence, the gentleness, the honesty. That's all love and learning to live in the world as that. That's interesting what you just said because there are some people who argue that um, there's really no correlation between awakening and behavior and that a person right. can be a real SOB or an, even an alcoholic or something like that and yet be awake and you know be irascible and, and uh -huh. all kinds of undesirable qualities and yet what you're saying seems to have just contradicted that. Uh, well, I can't, I can't, um, I don't know. I don't know what the, the purposes of those other beloveds to be in their personalities or whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's what somebody needs. I don't know. I would this like is, to think that awakening means you actually are going to become kind of saintly in a way. I mean, it mm -hmm. seems like that would be desirable. And, um, but there are people who sort of argue that it's not necessarily the way it's going to work. But I, I don't know either. The jury's out on that one, I guess. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I've ne It's it's funny because all of of all the masters that I was drawn to, and none of them were um, sorted personalities. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> so, and so I, I I can't even speak to it in in that way because I guess I was never drawn to that. But I was uh, always the, what what sparked within me was um, love. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, maybe like attracts like, you know? Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Yeah. So in addition to your little uh, group up there in Ashland, uh, you, mm -hmm. you do Skype sessions and occasional retreats yeah. and do you travel at all to do this stuff? No, I have, I don't, I'm not traveling anymore, I haven't been called to it. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, what else did you say? Oh, well, like Skype, Skype sessions, you can do that with people if you... Yeah, if, sometimes, if, yeah. If they want. I do, you know, I do quite a... actually phone sessions are usually easier because they're they're not so um, so invested in the in the physical right and and actually I find it easier to uh, the, for the beloved to actually sometimes hear it without the without the visual the physicality yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah good alrighty well I hope this has been uh, I, ho I hope you feel that this has been a good representation of what you well, would like, I'd like to say yeah. to people. It's, I've enjoyed it. Well, I appreciate it, and it's been lovely being with you yeah, in this way. Likewise. Yeah. And it was lovely listening to your things over the last week or so, and you know, listening to Wonderful. your... So people, I'll be linking to Chris's uh, website, as I always do. She'll have a page on, on batgap.com, and it's chrisceline.com, C-E-L-I-N-E, -E, right? And, it's actually, it's... Oh. it's the awakened heart of org. Oh, but there's also a short one, Crystalline. Oh, maybe. I think it, it just reverts to that one. It, it redirects, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can go directly to crystalline.com yes, and, and there it I'm is. So. I never do it, so I don't know. <laughs> I was just doing it this morning. <laughs> Thank um, you. And do you have any books published or anything? No, I don't. Okay, no problem. But you do have a YouTube channel and there are lots of satsangs yeah. if you call them that that people can watch so thank you very much and um, for those who've been listening or watching you you probably realize that this is an ongoing series and there are hundreds of them if you'd like to check out past ones you can subscribe on iTunes if you want to just listen to the audio and of course there's the YouTube channel where all the videos are you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and YouTube will notify you whenever a new interview is posted. You can also subscribe on batgap.com and we'll send you an email whenever a new interview is posted, which is usually once a week. There are some other things you can do there if you just explore the menus. Uh, there aren't too many, but you'll find some interesting stuff. So go to batgap.com, check out the different menus, and it'll be a little Easter egg hunt for you to see what you find. So uh, thanks for listening or watching, and, and thanks again to you, Chris. I really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. All my love to you. Love to you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.